Welcome to the Flabby Bottom Flying Club Studios and the EA Chapter 84 Podcast. I'm your host, David Weber. It's a new year and we're back. Along with the new year, the chapter has some new leadership. In this episode, we will be talking to Chapter 84's new president, Philip Rucker. Philip talks about his youth growing up in Austria, what aviation is like in Europe compared to the U.S., and how he eventually was able to fulfill his aviation dreams of getting his private pilot's license after moving to the U.S. Of course, we eventually get to what future plans Philip has for the chapter, what things need to be done to keep the membership engaged, and possibilities for chapter events. Cast wraps up as I bring you the latest Chapter 84 news, including updates on meetings and events. Please, if you're enjoying these podcasts, hit the thumbs up on your app, but most of all, subscribe so that you will know when a new podcast is available. We'll be right back with Philip Rucker after this quick message. Welcome to the Flabby Bottom Flying Club Studios, and this evening I am uh, kind of honored to introduce to you the new president of EA Chapter 84 as of January 1st, Philip Rucker. How are you doing tonight, Philip? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Well, as uh, people can tell by your introduction here, you're not from around these parts. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why don't you tell our, uh, our membership uh, exactly where you grew up and maybe give us a little history of, uh, on how you ended up uh, here in the U.S. Sure. Um, so originally I'm from Austria in Europe. That's the one without the kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I grew up there, uh, went through high school. And I went to a high school for IT because um, I just always loved computers and stuff. And so uh, then ended up uh, going to university in England, <coughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry. which uh, uh, had a partnership with our school. And so got my bachelor's of science in computing there and then um, looked for jobs in, in computing. And so decided to apply uh, at Microsoft for, for a job. And went through the interview process and got an offer to join Microsoft in Dublin, Ireland. And so that's how I suddenly then ended up in my third country, Ireland. <laughs> and when I say the word Ireland, that rolled R is apparently something I can't lose anymore. So some people like think I'm Irish. So I'm not. I'm, I'm definitely. No. Well, you kind of look a little Irish. I mean, you sure. Could get, you could get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so I ended up in Ireland and, and lived in Dublin there for two years, working for Microsoft in, in office. And then after that, I got the chance to come to Redmond, which is the headquarters here in the US for Microsoft. And so took that opportunity and, and came over here, which is now nine years ago. Wow. And yeah, have been loving it ever since because uh, one thing that I missed from being from Austria, which has lots of hills, and I grew up on skis when I was three years old. Like, right. you know, you can basically stand, which means you can stand on skis as well. So my parents <laughs> just, like, you know, put you on skis and uh, put you in a, in, a, in a ski school and tell you, yeah, there, go 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 off, because that way they can enjoy their skiing right. again. So, right. And Ireland doesn't have that. They don't have mountains. They have mounds at best. And so, they yeah. They probably here, get snow, but they don't get... Like, ba- barely if there is snow like when I, when I was in university in England like they they had snow and it just shuts the country down like, yeah like almost like Seattle almost like here um it's just 
a little more flat so in theory you could drive there but people just won't even chance it and and when there was the snow right. once there I, I went to the office and there was just no Irish person there it was me and a Polish person because both of us have dealt with <laughs> snow before we know how it works but no like in, in neither Ireland nor England they, they really deal with snow much so they just are like nope we'll just stick it out just like they do here um, but yeah living here in Washington now and very much enjoying the, the climate and the variety of things such as skiing in winter and then enjoying decent weather with hot or or warm or sometimes hot weather here as right, well in summer right because yeah in ireland's only mild that's mild that <laughs> you were telling uh telling me earlier there's one season and it's mild it's mild it's it's never hot it's never cold if if, if it gets above 70 degrees and sunshine that could be summer so people will get their shorts out because you don't want to miss it it could be on a tuesday <laughs> Should almost be a national holiday, right? Could be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I want to dig a little bit into high school in Austria. Is there, give me sort of a comparison to our schools here. Is it similar? Is it different? It's it's similar-ish, so you have options. So after middle school, you can say, okay, I don't really know what I want to do yet. So you just continue high school and you'll do another four years and do your, do your matura is what it's called there, which is, you know, your final examination. Uh, but if you do know um, after middle school that you have already an interest in something, you can go to a specialized high school that will specialize in that area. And so and for me, middle school is sixth, seventh, and eighth, or is it seventh? Uh, when does that end? Up to eighth grade okay. would be for the US. So, okay. so yeah, like in, in Austria, we strictly say uh, primary school is four, first four years, then we have middle school, which is another four years. And okay. then, so yeah, it would be up to eighth grade. Um, and then, yeah, you can choose. And so I went to a high school um, that specialized in IT. And so basically I started having still like, you know, German, English, math, but also started learning programming in my case. Um, or other people can go to a specialized one that has like accounting or something, a specialization. And so you do another, um, if you go to one of those specialized ones, you do an extra year actually. So I did five years of high school instead of four, which would have been the general high school okay. diploma. And so after those five years, then I, I basically went and then went to university in England, which we had a partnership with because they were like, well, you started programming a lot younger. And so like, you know, that's the equivalent of you having studied here already. And so I was able to like skip some time. Now, um, did you have to apply to that college or was it just a, I, a grade level that automatically got you? You, in? you had to have decent grades and recommendation letters from some, some of your, your teachers. Um, but other than that, the partnership had established that, like, you know, if you manage to get through, mm -hmm. through the high school, um, and, and, and graduated, you would be fit to be able to do it usually. Okay. So, like, the, 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 the there was a, a head teacher at our high school who would kind of vet that, yes, we think that, like, you know, your English is good enough, because that also meant that, like, you know, it was the first time we were suddenly in a different country oh. where it was not German that was your first language. Now, do they start teaching you German? I mean, English in, in Austria? They do, yeah. We start in, uh, middle school back when I went and, now they even do it even earlier, like in primary school. I would imagine so, like the yeah. rest of the world is a lot of, you know, American television, that kind of stuff that gets picked up. Yeah, there's there's that. And and so, so yeah, so I started learning when I was in middle school. And so like, you know, by the time I graduated high school, I had 11, well, something yeah. ish yeah. years. So. And that's what helped you get over to England was that. Exactly. What was the school in England? Um, so that was the University of Central Lancashire in Preston, which is near Manchester, which is a lot easier for most people like you know, people know of manchester or liverpool which is where the beatles are come from or very good soccer clubs or football as it's called football. here you gotta say it right football. 
but so that's that's where I went to university. So that's the north of England as right. well. So where the accent gets thicker. And even though you can't tell someone from the north of England or from Dublin, Ireland, that it's a similar accent, to me as an outsider, it's very similar. And so like, if anything, that just like helped thicken my accent even more. But <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a it was a good experience. It was it was very fun. Like to to what were things that you did when you were in England? I mean, was there was there football games? Was there anything of interesting that you did? Did you um, do any flying? When you were uh, there, no, no flying in England yet. No, like okay. I, 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 I was always interested in the flying part, but only started fostering that more. I imagine after there was school. a lot of pub visits when you were there, in. There was plenty of pub visits <laughs> because, like, yeah, in, in Europe we don't have the prohibition like they like they have here in the US of of like you know, you're 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 an adult, you can start drinking. So in Austria or most of Europe, you are allowed to start drinking when you're 16, and so it's just a much more normal cultural right. thing. You just go to the pub have a couple pints and you're good so we don't have to wait until we're 21 and it's this magical thing but yeah, yeah. <laughs> different cultures different different cultures it just right. works differently so but right. but but yeah so it's just uh uh very different but yeah so for us in 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 high school we are uh, in university we would just like yeah be able to go to the pub on sunday and have so now you must have been having it. some sort of aviation interest at this time i mean where did you start to get that, uh, kindle that interest? Was it something that you were able to do while you were in college? Uh, so not while I was in college yet, but so to to the the kindling of the interest, I guess, came from my father somehow. Like he always like you know pointed at planes, and I remember that he like at home like had the flight simulator on the very first version of Windows, where a plane basically was oh. like two lines. It was a stick figure, but <laughs> he sat there in the basement and would fly fly this virtual plane, um, and uh, he did some uh, par not paragliding the the, the ultra light plane flying. Like I okay. remember. Um, but he never got beyond that, but somehow, you know, some of that like rubbed off on me and, and got me enough interest in it. And so I, after college decided to apply at Microsoft for a job in computing, but to myself, I always said like, well, if I don't get it, then I'll try and apply to airlines for a job because in Europe, um, if you're under 25, the airlines would train you through the whole program, basically. Oh, and really? So, and so it's it's very different to here, although now the airlines here are trying to start that as well because they need more people. Now, when they say trained, I mean, they'll, they'll actually put you in a school there and take you all the way up till you're commercial? Yeah, they take you all the way. Including ATP? They, they take you all the way. And in Europe, the... the the rules are not the same as here where uh, uh, ATP needs to have 1,500 hours. Mm -hmm. It's basically, you just need to get through it. And typically, I think in Europe, most of those finish at like three, 400 hours. And then they wow. fly a commercial engine, which is what it used to be in the US up until they changed those rules to 1,500 hours even. Yeah. But but yeah, they would they would train you through the whole thing. So you sign a contract and then you have to stay with that airline for you know a couple of years which is in return for them so getting you to training. At, at three to 500 hours, you're sitting right seat in a... In a 737 or something. Yeah. Wow. Twin so, turbine type of, of aircraft. Yeah, right? that's 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 how they do it. And I have a friend from high school, actually, who similarly to me, like, was always interested in flying and stuff. And he actually did that right after high school. So he applied and, and flew for um, Air Berlin. So he went through the whole training with them. Um, incidentally, though, because flying in the U.S. is cheaper, even some of those airlines right. send their students to right. Florida to do the, 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 the actual training, but then they do the, the tests over in Europe, so they have the European licenses. But yeah. but that's how they that's how they do it. And so he ended up like yeah, actually become a commercial airplane yeah. pilot. Harvey has a lot of uh, Asian students that come over and, and live in the 
apartments there. And mm-hmm. It's just cheaper to send them over here and get the flying done over here than it is to try and do it at home. So yeah. I understand how they're doing it. Um, so you're, you're at college, you're, you're doing programming, and Microsoft gives you an offer which ends, you end up in Ireland. Yes. Of all places. Well, yeah, so that's that's because Europe, you, ha- you can think of Europe really, the European Union, similar to the US as a whole country. So okay. even though like, you know, I, I'm from Austria, then I went to university in England, which now is not part of European Union anymore, but that's a different story. <laughs> Let's um, not get into that. Exactly. But like, you know, they, they uh, went to university in England and then ended up in Ireland because you can just show up in any of these countries and say, I'm a citizen of, of Europe. And I can come and work here. So so it's similar to if you move oh. from Oregon to Washington, you just show up and no one asks a question. It's the same economic okay. like area, basically. And so because of that, like uh, because there is like, you know, visas and stuff when it comes to working permits uh, involved, they were like, are you open to working in Ireland? Because you can just show up there. And so I was like, sure, why not? And so that's how I ended up coming to Ireland at first, because it was just, yeah. So now was this like like Windows that you're working on in Ireland or is this specific to a European type of Microsoft? So I I specifically started in Microsoft Office, but it wasn't specific to to European. It's it's they have uh, full teams all over the world. So there's teams. I didn't know that. um, There's teams in Ireland. There's some teams in Germany. There's Israel, China. Um, India, like the, like the development, like there's a couple bigger mm-hmm. like centers like those that I mentioned. And then most other countries have like, you know, sales departments because most countries of the world have some products. But in Ireland, they would do full development. So there would be like a full development team of 50 or so people that would own a certain small section of a product. Okay. And so the, the, the first like, uh, project that I worked on there was, was the, office store of basically how you now buy office as a subscription business. Oh, great. So in Europe, you had this aviation interest, but you weren't able to pursue it quite as easily. Costs, complexity, is that really what kept you from doing it? That's the main thing. Like in in Europe, flying um, is a lot more expensive, even driving. And a big part of that is fuel costs. Mm. Um, Fuel just costs a lot more in Europe, which is a big factor of that. And then there's also the complexity of airspace and regulations. So like if you wanted to fly in Europe, for example, for a quick burger to an airport next door, you have to file a flight plan. Even if it's a visual flight, you have to tell them you have to pay like landing fees for each takeoff and everything. So it's just like a lot of these compounding factors. So that's why in Europe, a lot more people do things like simulation, which even my father did when I was like, you know, right. two years old and sat on his lap. Right. So, so, so even if you go up in the pattern and do 10 touch and goes, you're paying for each time you land you, that. You will sometimes pay every time you touch the asphalt. So yes, oh it's, 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 it's a lot more expensive. It's a lot harder. And so because of that, I, I never actively looked into it as a, as a hobby in Europe. I was always just interested in it and would observe of what's happening. Right. Um, but didn't really consider it other than possibly as a career, but. Turns out I got a different job then. So, so is there a big general aviation then, or is it just kind of a? It's it's, it's it relatively exists. it's it's relatively small in most countries. There's some more in France because of the history of aviation. Mm-hmm. That a lot of history of aviation came out of France and England in parallel, like you know the early Wright brothers kind of style. And because of that, like in France, that's still more kindled than in other countries. Really? Um, so, but, so in your opinion, it's a little bit more closer to 
airspace that you would deal with in the U.S. in France? A little, yeah. There's there's a lot more smaller airports in France than okay. than than in any of the other countries in Europe because they just have that history of aviation. Basically. So is that a lot of micro light then that happens in in exactly. France? Exactly. Yeah. There's there's a lot more that. There's of course some small like you know Cessna type planes and stuff, but yeah, a lot more people will fly something like an ultralight that has like you know lighter regulation where you just take off on like you know, a grass field or something. And, and do that kind of stuff or now, a lot they, of RC flying as well. Do you still have to do a flight plan for even for those or do you think it's not? Um, I'm, I'm not actually sure about the hmm. ultralight, whether there's a flight plan for that. For for anything like a Cessna, definitely. Yeah. For the ultralights, I can't quite say because I never got deep into it, even though my father did. But I never asked him about that. But I did remember that he used to wear his uh, skiing suit for it because it's cold <laughs> up there. So. <laughs> And this was in Austria. That was in Austria, yeah. So that's 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 what he did do. He flew ultralights in. I mean, in how, does it, how does an ultralight get to the altitude to get over anything in Austria? It really doesn't. So you, you really only do it on the flat part. So so I come from a small town called Triveswinkel, like just south of Vienna, okay. um, and that's like uh, in in the Vienna Viennese. Uh, meadow if you will okay um that's that's just about at sea level but it doesn't have a sea anymore um and that's flat but then like as soon as you like just like go an hour west you Mm -hmm. end up in the alps that's where the alps start and that's and that spans the rest of austria so that it just keeps growing in altitude and you just like don't go there um the 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 airport in innsbruck in tyrolia is apparently one of the hardest airports to land in the world because uh, it's it's in a giant mountain valley, it often gets fog and clouds and stuff, and so there's even like the the airlines that do fly there, they only like allow specific pilots that are trained for that airport to fly oh, there because it's yeah. so such a complex. Yeah, I wonder landing. what minimums are at that airport approach. Yeah, so like zero. So 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 yeah, so it's 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 harder. So yeah, you have to pick your battles of yeah. where you fly, what you fly. Yeah, to have an aviation bug and be living in Austria is <laughs> it's, 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 it's difficult. Exactly, it's harder. So there's a lot more observation thing. Like you, yeah. you'll 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 have at most of the airports in or many of the big airports in Europe, even you have a public observation deck that's oftentimes like outside of security that has like you know a restaurant or something because right. people just like you know that that really like aviation but can't do anything right. else. They want to they'll, satisfy that bug. Exactly. That so itch. they'll they'll yeah. they'll drive to like you know a big airport like Frankfurt Airport and they can go up there to a big observation deck and they'll just look in awe at 747s going by. Yeah, difficult for uh, us Americans sometimes to appreciate uh, what we have here compared to other countries where it's just difficult to get that aviation scratch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. Like as a hobby, it's just so much harder to imagine for most people in Europe to just be able to do it. So now it's like Cessnas and Piper. Is that the common aircraft over in Europe, or it's, is it? It 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 would be as well. Um, there is also like on the slightly newer side, like some uh, more developments happening, like towards electric airplanes, for example, okay. because that would help alleviate some of the cost factors of, say, fuel. Um, so I know there's a Czech company. I forgot the name now, but I think it's Sunflyer, maybe, that are developing mm. um, electric aviation. Um, aircraft like light like that can just fly for an hour or two which is good enough for like you know some quick hops or something to try to breach that but a lot of that is still in its early developments since battery technology just needs to come along how much uh, flight time do you think you would need over there to make it a successful battery operated aircraft 
I mean, it depends. I mean, for training, technically, something like, you know, with two hours is, is probably enough because your most training flights are an hour. So for that, like, those planes are great. Um, for longer flights, it just depends where you go. I mean, if, if you fly for an hour in Europe, chances are you're already in a different country in most <laughs> cases. So it's, it's, it's different dimensions as well that you have to think about. But, but Is that difficult to go from one country to another flying? Is it's, that... it's simpler because Euro control are like, there is local controls for the countries, mm-hmm. but like they, they, they work together. Uh, like, mm-hmm. you know, they have an overarching agency called Euro control that's similar to FAA from a, you know, right. ATC standpoint. Right. Um, but so when you land, you have to go through customs even? You, you do have to do some amount, like, you know, of declaring or not, depending on where you came from and where you're going to. Oh, so, okay. like, you know, if you, so if you come from a country in the European Union, you go to another one, then typically it's the same right. as if you drive over the border, which is just there's a sign that says, welcome to, you're just in a different country, just like going here from Oregon to Washington. There'll just be a sign on the side of the road that says, by the way, you're in a different state. So... Some of that, some of that is simple mm-hmm. because of that. But then, of course, like you know, some countries are not, and then you'll have more regulations to deal with. Hmm. Well, it's kind of interesting how the uh, the regulations are. Sometimes, you know, I would say a little heavier over in Europe, but at the same time, maybe a little bit more uh, fluid because they're so used to people uh, going. And, and you know, you like you said, in an hour, you're you're in a different country. Right. Yeah. yeah you so trying. Try and go to Canada from Washington, and it's you know most people really panic about doing that, and rightfully so. It's it's a pretty good ordeal. Get in your plane. You can't get out of your plane until customs comes over, takes a look at you. So yeah, be kind of a a little bit of a, a lesson maybe for us. So obviously, growing up in Austria, skiing big hobby. You probably were on skis. Yes, basically. I mean, once I was able to stand, I think it was like three years old or something. <laughs> my parents just put me on skis and were and were like, "Okay, here, here's the ski." Push school. you down the hill. Basically, yeah, they were just like, "Okay, here's the ski school. Have fun for a week with the ski instructor who can deal with you, younglings, so they can enjoy their own skiing again." And yeah, like just did that and and did we you did, ever do any competitive skiing or uh, nothing competitive, just always for fun. But in Austria, we do go on ski trips with school, like it's just part of our normal thing. Where mm. even even if you live in like an, on a flatlands, they'll they'll get a bus and get you in one of the ski resorts and just spend a week there, where your instructors will will like you know ski with you and you just get classified into how well you can ski at any point, <laughs> and then you just go with that group and just like you know have fun getting better at skiing for for a week. So it's like um yeah something very different and and that's that's also just part of our normal school thing like right. like the whole school class will go and and do that trip together yeah I'm, growing up here we would uh take the school buses up to stevens pass or snoqualmie pass and it, you know it was fairly uh cheap i shouldn't say cheap inexpensive uh to get uh, on that bus, but sort of that same camaraderie where we would have the entire, everybody you knew from school would go up on the ski bus. We'd spend the days up skiing up at Stevens Pass and and then come down at the end of the day and just have a great blast. It was a, a great way to spend time. And parents got rid of you for the day. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's it. Like the parents would like, you know, send you off and right. wave at you and be like, yes, we have the house for ourselves. So yeah, yeah for $15. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Exactly. So. All right. So now you're, you've got your degree. You've got some uh, some skill set behind you at Microsoft, and Microsoft decides that they want you here in the U.S. So you come over here to Seattle, 
Um, and that's where the aviation bug really starts to, to, to bite you. The light bulb's going off, going, maybe I can afford this a little bit. Yes. Um, so tell uh, listeners how you came about getting your pilot's license set. Sure. So, yeah, a couple of years after I got here, I finally bit me enough where I was like, I'm still really like interested in this. And I think I can do it as a hobby now because turns out there's planes buzzing above us all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I just looked like for flight schools in the area. Um, I remember uh, I did like one of those discovery flights where, you know, you do like buzz around the area right. for fun. And that really was like, yeah, no, I really want to do this. Like, you know, for 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 learning how to do it and doing it myself. And so I looked at the different flight schools here. Um, and ended up find, finding a, a flying club here at Painfield Everett, where we're right now. Um, that's called Puget Sound Flyers. And so that flying club has, we have like about 15 members and we have four airplanes. We have some uh, Cessna 150s, um, we have a 172 and a Cardinal. And uh, the plane was f- uh, created by our president, who is a uh, retired flight instructor. Well, he's a he's doing flight instructing now, but has right. been flying for a long time, has 16,000 hours, um, Richard Newman. And so I uh, did my training with him, with the flight club planes in a Cessna 150 that fits just about me and him. <laughs> he would have his arm around me because that gives us more space. really close, <laughs> yes. It's yes. close and intimate. The plane like just about fits two people and just about enough fuel. Right, so it's, it's right. it it truly teaches you flying because it's small and light. And if there's a bit of wind, you'll feel it. And you'll you have feel to, it. yeah, you could in theory steer that plane by just moving your body left and right. But I have done that where you lean forward and lean back, and you can actually get the plane to move. Yes. Exactly. But but yeah, so got interested enough that I I decided to pursue that. And and got my was license. It fairly. What was the cost to get you know to get into it? And was it fairly easy to get into that club? It was um it was fairly easy. So in the club we have like small initiation fee just to cover like paperwork and and okay. checkouts. But in this case, since it was a student as well, the checkouts were just like, well, you're gonna learn with him. Um, and then uh, we we just have rental fees basically. So so we have some monthly dues of currently it's fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. And other than that, uh, people just like put in some money on account and then use it over the next six months. So that keeps us paying the bills mainly through winter because right. winter flying is hard. And so that kind of is right. is the arrangement that we have with members keep paying and then use it up in spring when flying comes mm-hmm. keeps coming. Um, and, and that, that worked out really well where it's affordable flying, um, the planes are in good shape and we are able to slowly upgrade some of the avionics. So we have like, you know, some GPS now in, in one of the planes and, and then we have two G5s in the other one already, but not a GPS yet. So we'll get there, but like, you know, slow, slow strategic upgrades that keep it as an affordable flying club, which was one of the big ideas when it was founded. Right. Um, and so, yeah, been flying with them now for five years um and so richard took you all the way from solo flight all the way up to your check ride yes all the way up to my check ride and actually i ended up uh being able to do my private pilot license in 40.0 hours no yes so uh, i was i was ready for for the sign off because <laughs> i'm i'm when it comes to me doing something i'm always well prepared and so i think it i, I was like like around like 30 35 hours or so and both me and him were were already preparing for the check ride and so he was like yeah you might have to actually just go up in the plane for an hour or two and just like fly and practice by ourselves because there's not much more he can do with me so he just like still yeah do another solo because he just sent me on another long solo <laughs> build time build time yes build time. um but no he he felt ready that i was ready in 40.0 hours and so 
signed me off for that and i did Do my you remember who your dpe was um yeah it was um bob uh no out of bellingham what's his name oh um don't know him rick something yeah doesn't matter well, at this point if, okay. you, if you recall it if i recall I'll, I'll let me know but uh but yeah so i did my did my check right up in bellingham okay um, oh so you actually flew to so, bellingham so i flew to bellingham for the check ride so technically i, I started to check right at 40.5 hours because i had to fly <laughs> 0.5 hours which is also good for like you know de-stressing the nerves because right. you've been in the plane already you've done right. a little bit of flying in the morning but yeah landed there met the dp did did the did the theoretical Got something enhancing the background here. Some planes buzzing by him. And then, yeah, did the flying with him and was able to pass. So clearly the training had paid off. And right. yeah, flew back to Painfield in 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 with my with my new paper license in hand. So <laughs> So now were you married at this time? Uh no, I'm I I have a partner, but uh we're just together and enjoying our life the way Great. it is. So Wow. So that then the whole thing from uh, your solo to checkout, um, done through the flying club, and you would say probably one of the most economical ways to do it. Am I putting words in your mouth here? It, or it, it I... was like like both the flying club as well as like you know well prepared training. I mean uh -huh. that was one thing with Richard. Like he he when he signs up a student, he was very upfront and was like, "You have to commit to being able to fly two to three times a week." Oh because wow. He's he's done instructing for many hours. I think he has like five thousand hours of instructing and sixteen thousand hours total. And he was like, he knows this works. So if you sign up to be able right. to commit to that, you'll be faster in 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 your training, which is ultimately better for your purse. Um, but you'll also just be able to retain more because if you fly basically every two days, like while you commit to that, um, you'll you don't forget as much. And that really did work. And so basically, I started. Um, like end of June and I had my jack route early in September. So it was basically two, three months of, you know, intense being up at the airport two or three times a week and it worked. So it it came huh. out at, at pretty decent rate. I think all in, it was like 8,000 or so dollars. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a pretty good price. I mean, you can't. It's, it's, it's hard to beat. Yeah, so it, it requires finding Red Flight Club or 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 really cheap flight school and commitment but but the two for me at least like the the flying often has worked really well so one of the things that i found difficult after i got my private was going out and renting i got mine through regal and to me it was just i don't want to say brutal but borderline brutal to rent airplanes all the time it always seemed like they were throwing more paperwork at me to, you know, if, if a plane wasn't available, I'd have to move to another plane. Well, you haven't been checked out in that plane, so you got to go up with an instructor for a half hour. How has that worked out with the, the club? So in the club, we're pretty good. So we have a similar rule of, like, you know, try to maintain currency in the biggest plane you want to fly. Um, and then we, we say that trickles down to, like, you know, the, the, the lower planes. So you do a check right in all of them first once with... With Richard, but then beyond that, it's just like maintain currency and fly every sixty days in the club planes, um, and that's usually good enough. Um, and other than that, like you know, the the benefit of a flying club is it's a lot closer to almost ownership, mm -hmm. um, and that's also how we treat the planes. So when it comes to the the maintenance, for example, we all come out and help with that. 
So all the members come out, get a Phillips screwdriver and help open up <laughs> the inspection panels. And then the AMP like looks over and, and does the actual inspection. And how um, many planes do you have? Uh, four at the moment. Okay. Yeah, so two 150s, uh, 172, and a Cardinal 177. So there's probably quite a bit of maintenance that happens. You have four airplanes. It's probably happening quite often. Th- th- there is. And, and, and so Richard, actually, he uh, got his AMP... Um, now two three years or something ago okay as well so now he can also like actually do some of the things and sign them off himself um but yeah he's he's always been a tinkerer so he's always done a lot of the maintenance like you know with the oversight of amp and now mm-hmm. he can sign off a lot of the things himself even um but yeah so that helps and and so he does a lot of the things that like you know we don't do with the other stuff but when it comes to like an oil change or something he'll just send a mail to the members and it's like by the way we're doing an oil change on saturday Please, like, someone come out and help. And, like, sure enough, a couple of us will come help and, and also learn about the plane. And so, like, that got me started with, like, you know, learning a lot more of the plane other than just what you know from the theoretical book of opening a POH or... or, or... So did this kind of give you the, the inspiration to start looking at building your own plane? Basically, yeah, because, like, through that, like, I learned a lot more because he's always willing to teach and like, you know, explain this is what this is so about. So you had some comfort in, in turning a wrench on an airplane. Basically, exactly. And so that, that, that got me thinking in, in, into it because uh, while the club airplanes are like, you know, great and affordable, mm-hmm. there are also Cessnas that will fly a hundred something on a good day. Um, <laughs> and so because of that, I, I started looking at like, you know, the idea of my own plane that can maybe get me somewhere a little faster sometimes. And so I looked at different options. And at first, I just looked at like used certified planes. But then I came across uh, uh, the Sling, um, which is a newer type of airplane. They started with a two-seater. Mm-hmm. And now they have a four-seater. And so the one I'm building, it's called the Sling TSI. It's a four-seater. Um, and, and where's Sling out of? Uh, so they're out of South Africa. Okay. Um, and they have a dealer in California that works closely with them so that they right. like, you know, have a local representation here, including... One of the people that helped design the Sling 4, he actually moved from South Africa to California oh, wow. and works there now so that, like, you know, he can actively hands on tech support people right there. But even, like, you know, if you need something that, like, day in the factory, you just send them an email and they'll, like, you know, respond, like, right there the next day. Or now we have a small builder forum mm-hmm. um, to, to answer questions. And so, like, you know, it, it works well with... You know, like anything in aviation is a community and like you know, with right. the building community, just like our chapter is a big community, any any type specific thing creates its own small community of, of builders that will share their expertise. And that's just a, a great experience, basically. Well, I have to say that I was pretty impressed and, and not that I own any stock in Sling or anything like that. Uh, but when I came over and took a look at your plane, I was really impressed with A, the design and B, how well packaged everything was for the builder. Um, things that are shrink-wrapped, that um, have got part numbers right next to it, step-by-step instructions. The, the illustrated uh, instructions and assembly manual was incredible, uh, like something I've never seen before in, in that kind of an airplane. Are you finding the construction somewhat easy because of that uh it is yeah so i mean part of my decision making for how i ended up with the sling even 
uh, was basically that it's it's all pulled rivets, it's sheet mm-hmm. metal, so it's simple to build. For the most part, you can do it alone because you don't need someone to hold a bucking bar on the other end of a, of a right. piece. Um, and also the instructions are, are very well made and uh, they keep updating them. So they'll just like, you know, send a mail and it's like, by the way, we updated this thing to be even easier. Or if someone finds a small mistake, I mean, like, you know, with experimental and stuff, there will be sometimes mistakes that builders find and then you just send them a note and they'll correct it for the next one. Um, but yeah, the, the, the instructions are very well laid out. They're in color as well, which, you know, makes things easier because it's easier. And, and then like the, the screws, for example, are packaged into subcomponents that make it really easy. They're kind of like these old wallets where you have like all your credit cards falter out. They have them shrink wrapped for each individual assembly. So you right. have like, you know, an elevator screw bag that has like all the different screws in s- small separately shrink wrapped bags for that. And then you just like get the, bigger components for that take it out and and all of it is uh pre-drilled as well a match drilled already and so you for the most part just need to click it all together and you're usually ready to rivet like it's very very little extra work beyond just making sure that like you know there's some burrs on the sides and it's designed specifically around a specific engine yes so it's designed specifically around uh, the rotex engines so the uh, two-seater is designed around the Rotex 912 engine, and then the Sling 4 was designed around the 914. And then Rotex came out with the 915 a couple years ago now, and the 915 is just a little faster, a little bigger, a little faster than the 914. Um, and it's turbo-injected as well, which is great because you don't have to worry about density altitude. You just, right. like, you know push the throttle up and you're up at altitude before you can blink. Um, but yeah, the plane very much was always designed right around this engine. Um, and so that means that the plane, like, you know, decision-making is much more of like a catalog experience, basically. You just like say, okay, yes, I want to build this plane. And you know exactly that's the engine you want to build it around. Now, some people might not like that because they want the freedom of being able to put their right. own, like homing or continental or whatnot. But for me, a little the bit ease... more experimental bug. Exactly, maybe a little bit more of that. But for me, the not having to figure out like, well, how can I get that that cowling around this engine? Right. Instead, this this cowling is molded around like you know that engine that they say um, was very appealing because in yeah. theory it will get me there faster. I call that the tab A into slot B type of construction exactly yeah and so when it when it comes to like you know flying they always say if you want to fly then buy and just buy use mm-hmm. plane if you want to build you also want to have to want to build and want to learn about it which obviously i did um but most people also at some point want to be able to fly it and so like you know having a simpler less decision making for me at least was very appealing and in, in choosing and so now how long have you been working on this um it's now two something years uh, the pandemic has slowed it down ironically a little <laughs> because sometimes there's just like you know no more energy left um but but it's it's about that but um so i started with the quick build so the factory will uh, has done part of the air fuselage and part of the wings already uh-huh. um but then i completed the whole epinage in very fast and then um all the other wing parts like the uh, aileron and elevators or uh, ailerons and flaps <laughs> those are on the wings um it's all done and so now um i'm working inside the fuselage mainly just like getting all the things out like seats and then all the controls um but it's 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 going well when i have to time and focus to build um obviously any estimate you have unless you're fully retired and can dedicate right. all your time 
just add some generous amount and you need to you need to have very supportive partners so like you right. know before before i started my build i you know had to get the sign off and support to say <laughs> well the garage is gonna have these airplane parts instead of your car is that okay and so we compromised because uh my partner she she loves biking yeah she and seems so really supportive of she's, it though. she's she's very supportive she just needed enough space for her bikes so that she can still do her biking and her bike maintenance so we agreed <laughs> okay here's the bike stuff and so that still works with the plane stuff and so it 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 works out well we're we're building and now thankfully i got my hangar um here in in the summer so i was able to move the wings and and some of the other completed parts out of the house because yeah because the the walls in our it's in our 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 downstairs family room are were starting to uh become airplane (laughs) storage parts i i bought some shelving racks from home depot and just drilled them into the wall to just hang like an uh, elevator up there so now at least those are out of the house so there's a little more space because it's start was starting to get tight right right right. um so now how about getting parts from south africa right now are you finding that difficult or do you pretty much have everything you Um, need so when i started i got um the whole kit in one container which by itself was an experience so uh, or most of the parts except for the small parts so i got one giant container that arrived on a ship by truck in in my front yard and i had a couple friends help unload it 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 was an experience and i have a online build log where i have a small video of that so you can see the birth of a playing kit where would they go to get that build log um, so it's uh, slinktsi.ruker.com okay. on my on my website, um, and uh, yeah, there if you just go to one of the first posts, you can you can see the unloading of a twenty foot container. Even the, <laughs> the, the 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 truck driver, like all he knew mm-hmm. from the manifest was airplane parts. So he thought, oh yeah, this will be like you know RC parts or something because it's 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 a locked off container. And so like you know he cuts open the lock and opens the door, and he's just like holy wow so it's it's it was something else it it came with its own sea can and he was just delivering that yes yeah exactly it was one one 20 foot like metal sea can that was just on the thing and it was packed very very well uh, with with one wing on the left side one wing on the right side the fuselage in the middle and then uh big crates like in between mm-hmm. like they, they'd figure out how to tetris a 20-foot container to fit this kid in there <laughs> impressively with some very very good wood my my 12 volt drill couldn't even like kick some of the screws out oh my gosh. Um, and and then after that so, so i had to start using hand screws for some of those screws because they like you know drill the whole frame in there of course to protected right and so after that i talked to them and they were like yeah so at first we used some cheaper two by fours or something we weren't satisfied with that so now we have this like really fancy wood that they used which is really good wood <laughs> <laughs> to to build this framing but yeah so that's that's how the kit came and so i had all these boxes stacked up in in the garage and no damage basement. when you got it no damage it was all really well packed like wow. the, the the plane parts were shrinked and and strapped with with lots of straps and the boxes were all as you saw, like, you know, right. very well packed. Like, it's basically one box for each sub-assembly. So there's one for the fuselage, one for the empennage, one for the wings. And and then in there, everything is, again, bubble-wrapped. And all the metal pieces are are wrapped with, with the protective plastic as well. So it was all very protective. And then when it comes to the building and, and parts, you know, every now and then there's a screw and, or something, of course, missing. Right. But... For the most part, it's it's pretty complete. But if there is something missing, then they have an online system where you just say, okay, this is missing. And if you need it urgently, then you can give the, the, the people in California a call and they typically have it in stock because they try to have everything in stock. Oh, I see. And they just overnight it. So like, you know, it, it will be like with you very fast. Um, and if it's something they don't have, then they'll ship it from South Africa. But they do a, a plane shipment once a week and then they do like a bigger container 
once a month with more of the bigger pieces. So overall, it's been pretty good where, for example, I didn't decide on my seats at first. Mm -hmm. um, well, which for some other kids is not even an option, but they actually give the option that they will do the whole upholstery for you. Wow. So they have a color catalog and are like, okay, choose your favorite gray or red or whatever you want. Oh and gosh. they'll they'll actually sew the whole upholstery that matches the, the seats for you. And so I, I only ordered that one last year and then got it. Is it reasonably priced? It's reasonable priced. It was uh, three, just about $3,000 wow, for, for the full upholstery. So the full seats for front back seat, as well as um, uh, like the the foam, like for all around the plane. So right. the whole plane will actually be like the sounds. side walls. All exactly. All the side walls, like with, with pockets even sewn in already. Wow. So, so it's, it's, it's a really very, very complete kit, which was, was a big appeal. Like you, you can order everything up to the engine even from them because it's already decided what engine you want to do. <laughs> so you don't even have to figure out where to source the engine if you want. You can just order it straight up from them. Do you have so, any idea how many are flying in the U.S.? Uh, so on the four, um, on the sling, on the sling four TSI kind of, there's, uh, I think just shy of 10 now, like between five and 10 that are flying now. Um, some of those have been done with build assist. So the, the dealer in California actually has a build assist center. Um, and then like on the two seater, there's a lot more. And in fact, in California, they even have a flight school there. So they, because, oh, wow. so because you can go get some time. Correct. Because the two seater is a LSA actually. So, oh, so, you. so they actually have a full flight school there, um, where you can get time and they do also now have a, a loader agreement for the, for the four seater. So you can get time and type for insurance, which oftentimes is hard with the experimental planes. <laughs> um, but yeah. but yeah, it's 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 overall yeah, it's 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 a good package deal that fit what I wanted very well. Well, that leads me to one question that I got from uh, one of the chapter members. I put out an appeal for people to ask uh, a question. Um, his first question, Charlie, was, uh, "What is the name of your pet kangaroo?" I don't think he understands. <laughs> so yes, as I said, like Austria, not Australia. So in fact, in Austria, we print t-shirts that say there's no kangaroos in Austria. We have lots of cows, but no kangaroos. <laughs> I'm hoping Charlie thought that was a joke. Um, the second question he had was, uh, what was the hardest part in the decision to buy in your sling? Um the hardest part, aside from the cost and just realizing it will cost you money, um, was probably uh, just a time decision. I mean, yeah. you 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 have to figure out this will take you a couple years unless you're fully retired um, <laughs> to be able to commit to it. Yes, and even with the best intention, like life gets in the way and will sometimes slow you down. As so. it should, otherwise you don't have much of a life. Exactly, and so. And so you just have to have a good support at home if, right. you, if you have a partner. Don't just start this project right. without full... Like, Show you know, up one day with an engine and, exactly. and a kit. Yes. With, without full knowledge that like likely this will longer than any good estimate I will give you. Um, and the willingness to learn because you will have to learn a lot about different toolings and stuff mm -hmm. that you likely haven't done unless you're a trained mechanic. But for me, I'm a software guy. I'm good with electronics if I need to, and I've always been hands-on. All my furniture at home is IKEA. In, in, <laughs> in Europe, we grow up with that, and it's, it's, so I always knew I can be handy if I if I want to, and can follow instructions. Which, right. as you said, like the instructions are written very well. Um, but still, there's such so much learning. So you have to just be fully willing that the building will take a lot of time out of you 
and sign up for that. But as long as you're okay with that and it's taking time, it's a fantastic experience. Well, that's great. Hey, let's get a little bit more into chapter type stuff. Um, no big news flash here. You took over uh, from Jim at January 1st. Uh, my personal opinion is I think that the chapter uh, is at a good trajectory. I think Jim did an absolutely wonderful job of uh, keeping us uh, afloat. We've got some some money in the bank. Um, we've got uh, a high membership, back to numbers that are, were, I don't know, 10 years ago where we were at. Um, what are some of your ideas? What do you want to throw at the chapter, some goals that you might have uh, during your tenure? Um, sure, yeah. Um the biggest thing for me is just trying to encourage more people into aviation. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we have our our young uh, Ishita, our youth ambassador now, who's a who's Irish like who's, you, who's Irish like me, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, she's she's a great uh, example of what I I'd hope that we can foster more in the chapter. Just like more young aviation, right. a lot of the plane building is oftentimes older, oftentimes retired people. And so if we can foster more uh, joy in aviation, more engagement early on, like that would be really great. Um, so I'm hoping that we can just get more into that. Obviously, there's the Young Eagle flights that we've been doing very successfully. But if we can get more engagement with something hands-on, that, that would be fantastic. So hopefully we can do some of that stuff. And beyond that, yeah, as you said, like it's a, it's a very healthy chapter. It's a very active chapter. Right. Um, so just keeping that alive and hopefully being able to take the banner and, and keep it, keep it going forward, um, is, is my other goal, I guess. What is, you're fairly new to the chapter. What has been your experience with the chapter? Do you think this is something that you've, uh, enjoyed? What was your first impressions when you walked in? Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I joined the chapter now three, three, three years ago, basically mm -hmm. just before I, I started my build. Um, because I was like, well, if you're starting this build, you better join the local EA chapter. They're here to support you. And so I joined it and, and yeah, it was, uh, just lots of experience in the room, which is impressive. Like the, the mm -hmm. amount of experience from people who've built Boeing airplanes for 20 years or something to other things is great. And then obviously we have very good programs in our, in our meetings with guest speakers from all over the country, whether it comes to new plane kits or engines or stories of aviation. It's It's been fascinating to just learn a lot of the things. For me, I'm, I'm very learning driven. So the more I can learn, the, the better. But yeah, if we if we can broaden the, the, the membership to more people of, of different walks of life, that would be great. Well, I think we've got a lot of good energy with you uh, at the presidency and Jonathan up there. I, I don't know if you could... Uh, Harness the energy that, <clears throat> excuse me, that Jonathan's got. You could probably power the entire Puget Sound area if you could uh, take some of that energy off of Jonathan. And uh, I, I think that we're got that energy going. I'd like to see that continue along that. Uh, I know that you've got a lot of respect from the chapter members, so I think you're uh, in good standing there. Is there any kind of um, outside activities that you envision? for the chapter so maybe since our coffers are, are good now if we can start a scholarship that would be mm -hmm. great and can can foster stuff and then who knows maybe we can like you know do something like you know more hands-on building experience or something so like jonathan for example i remember when he was building his plane he had mm -hmm. like uh, kids out at the arlington fly and help rivet stuff and i know there's another 
well, there's a couple of EA chapters around the country that are doing that, but they're doing like you know a youth building project mm-hmm. or something. If we could get something like that on the road in the in the mid to long term or something, that would probably be great to foster more more interest in aviation. Um, use a lot of the experience that we have in that chapter as well. So we'll have to see if we can get something on the road, but that would definitely be a aspiring long-term project-like yeah. idea. The, the pandemic, uh, for our listeners who are listening to this 20 years from now, we're in the, still in the midst of a pandemic that continues and continues. Uh, that has put a lot of, um, uh, well, tied a lot of our hands in doing extracurricular activities, shall we put it that way. Um, so hopefully we can get out and, and do that kind of stuff. Uh, is there anything you want to say directly to the chapter membership uh, at this point? We're getting close to wrapping it up, and um, uh, I've got a couple other questions that don't have to do with chapters coming up to you, but is there anything you want to say directly to the chapter members? Just keep engaged, or if you're not yet engaged, come engage us more. The, the more volunteers, <laughs> the merrier. Um, it's, it's, there's, there's, yeah, so much learning to go around, even just from normal chats. Like, you know, we have our burger burn and the stories you learn about people, but yeah, like, you know, try to engage people, talk about stories (laughs) 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 and, and yeah, keep, keep active, bring, bring people into aviation because that's what keeps general aviation alive. It's, it's the continuous encouraging of people of like this is something to do and especially since you heard my story from earlier it's something that's very easy to do here in the u.s especially so right right so kind of a couple fun questions um if money was no option what would be the plane Hmm. no option (laughs) money is just not even an obstacle um i don't know i mean and why i think just buying a brand new Cirrus would probably be be pretty appealing. It's a it's a new airplane. It's reasonably economic. It's fast. It's safe as well. So one thing I forgot with my sling, for example, was that it is also designed with a parachute oh, for the great. plane, and that really reassured my partner as well. Right. Of like you know, you're building this plane, but should anything happen, we can pull the chute. And the Cirrus is designed around that. Like you know, some of these more modern safety aspects mm-hmm. um, are a big appeal. And so yeah, if 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 nothing was an issue, probably just buying that. It's ready for you. Um, would be nice. Okay. Uh, most favorite place that you've flown to since you've gotten your pilot's license? Favorite place I've flown to? Um, I really love Orcas Island. So it's just an island that's a quick, uh, barely 30-minute flight from, from mm-hmm. here, from Everett. Um, while if you were taking this, like, you know, by ferry, it would be a full-day oh, trip. yes. But uh, with my family that has been visiting from Austria, for example, I've taken them for lunch to Orcas Island. So, you know, not only do you get the great scenery of mountains left and right of you, Seattle in in your back window or when you're coming back in your front window, um, but also, you know, you get to fly over all these islands and then just land casually on this nice, small, picturesque Island. Right, the approach into Orcas is just gorgeous. It's, it's beautiful. There's yeah. like a mountain to your side. There's a bay. <laughs> you fly over the town. It's, right. it's 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 out of a picture book. And truly, that's part of what like you know I really love about aviation. It's like no matter how often I've flown there, it doesn't get boring. The view is like you know always fantastic. It's always amazing. Yeah, yeah. We live in an incredible place 
when the weather permits. <laughs> True, yes. If, in, in, to go fly. In, in winter, when it's that one sunny Sunday, suddenly everyone oh, and their neighbor that has a pilot's license will be out flying. It was crazy last Sunday. Yes. It was everybody in western Washington was out flying. And yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I, I literally had to do uh, two 360s to get into the pattern down at Puyallup. So mm-hmm. crazy stuff. Um <clears throat> Excuse me. Longest cross-country flight you've done? Longest cross-country flight. So I am hoping to get my commercial pilot's license. And so in advance of that, I technically already checked the box for uh, one of those requirements, which is the long commercial cross-country. So uh, that I piloted myself solo, which was a flew out to uh, Port Angeles and then stopped there, taxied back, and then started from there and just did a non-stop flight to Yakima and then had lunch there. Oh, so right. it was a nice like beautiful little trip because over here it was still cold and and wet and then you cross the mountains and you're suddenly in desert land like it just shows you that washington is even just so diverse in it's it's weather and then when i took off there after lunch suddenly it was hot because over there it it is hot and that was in a 172 and so suddenly density altitude showed itself and the climb was suddenly very very slow but (laughs) yeah that was a that was a fun trip but then a couple other longer trips i've done this with a a friend and colleague of mine who also has a pilot license i've uh, done some angel flight missions with him Mm -hmm. and so angel flight charity that provides flights for mostly people with medical needs so they oftentimes need to come to seattle because we have great hospitals here and so I've helped him fly a couple of those missions and it's always easier when it's two people because especially since right. most of those we drop off at like Boeing Field where you have a very tight airspace, you have SeaTech right next yeah, to it and another stuff. Another set of eyes, somebody to exactly. switch frequencies, that kind of stuff. Exactly. And so we now have built actually pretty good like two pilot like, you know, uh, <laughs> thing that we do. And so we've flown all the way to Bozeman to pick up people before wow. or to Idaho a couple of times. And so that's really rewarding as well because it helps me combine, you know, the passion for aviation and just the hobby aspect with doing good for someone. So it's like a win-win-win. So Wow. All right. Final question. Where do you see aviation going? What What do you think? Uh, let's keep it specific to the United States for now. But, you know, do you think uh, it's going to expand more? Do you think it's uh, something that's going to fall off? Where do you see aviation in the future? It's definitely going to expand, I think. Uh, the question is whether we as pilots will still be there in the in the long future. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the near future, you could definitely see that computers will help more and more. I mean, like, you know, you have autopilots already. And with some of these newer systems, you like auto lands, you have, now. exactly. I was just gonna say, like with Garmin, like you know, you have a button now that can basically auto land. And for it's in a three and a half million dollar airplane, but you know, true. So that one, <laughs> yes. But for example, in the for the experimental panel, like they they have the the auto glide now, where right. with a button, it will at least like if your engine fails, glide you to right. towards that thing. So like being able to have that and being able to have that for experimental planes even is, is great advancement, but it clearly shows the technology is advancing to be able to take over some right. of these tasks. And so probably at some point, pilots may not be needed. Um, technologically, probably a lot earlier than psychologically. So I think probably people will still take more comfort in knowing that there's a person up there in the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will probably expand because people like to travel and that won't change. And then if anything, when we talk about expanding, it's probably going to expand into the expanse of beyond just the world. Now we're far away from the US. Right. <laughs> but uh, like, 
I think that's probably where the future is. Like, you know, if, if we get to a hybrid part where planes can start taking off really far and we do manage to eventually get farther into space where it's beyond just rockets, it, it will probably, like, you know, become a spacefaring, not nation, humanity. <laughs> okay. Do so you think the youth is still interested in aviation or do you think it's something that is kind of waning in youth? It's... It's it's probably waves, so it's mm. it's 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 interesting. I mean, we obviously have young people that are very very engaged, like Ishita, but um, then it comes in in waves, and and so we have to make sure that it keeps at 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 their mind that this is a thing, but at the same time, because of of automation taking over, who knows if the next generation will still need to pilot like we are currently doing, right? So, so it might very well be an evolution of it becomes more of an operator or something. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. I think it really is a sort of an evolution kind of a thing. Well, hey, Philip, this has been absolutely wonderful getting to know you a little bit better. I hope the members uh, also feel the same way. Uh, thanks for coming down to the Flappy Bottom Flying Club Studios. I hope uh, you've had a, a fun time like I have. And uh, I welcome you back anytime, anywhere you want to go. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully, it was a fun talk. <laughs> and yeah, I look forward to many more meetings with the chapter, talks, and yeah, just questions. Keep asking. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And now, chapter news for February 2022. This month's meeting will be held on February 8th, 7 p.m. at Harvey Field in Hangar 15. The chapter is really encouraging members to show up in person, but will once again provide a Zoom meeting stream. In-person attendees will be asked to follow current Washington State health guidelines. This month, the chapter is asking members to come up with ideas for events throughout the upcoming year. If you have an idea, and better yet, want to coordinate that event, Please bring it up during the comments part of the meeting. Don't be shy to propose something. Sometimes the outrageous ideas are the most fun. The Northwest Aviation Conference will be held at the Puyallup Fairgrounds on February 26th and 27th. Doors open at 9 a.m. on Saturday and 10 a.m. on Sunday. Tickets are $5 per day. There will be over 100 vendors in attendance along with several seminars on both days. For more information, visit their website at WashingtonAviation.org. In the years past, the chapter has organized a carpool to the show. If you are interested in carpooling, please bring this up for discussion during the general meeting. Hey, membership fees are due. You can pay your $20 membership fee through PayPal by going to the chapter website at EAA84.org and clicking on the Join Chapter 84 tab. Or if you already have a PayPal account, you can send the $20 to treasurer at ea84.org. Make sure you include your name and what the payment is for, or it just might not get registered. If your membership fee is not received by the end of March, your access to the hangar will be removed along with the monthly newsletter. For the latest and most up-to-date information, visit the chapter website or one of the many social media pages the chapter maintains, such as Facebook and Instagram. Well, that wraps it up for this month's podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed meeting the new chapter president, Philip Rucker. Make sure you take some time to thank him for volunteering his time and efforts. In fact, make sure you thank all the officers for their efforts. Spread the word about Chapter 84 podcast to your friends. It's available for download on most popular apps, including Spotify, Apple, and Google. Make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and give us a five-star review. I hope you'll remember to file a flight plan for next month's podcast. Be sure to find the latest news by following EA Chapter 84 on social media apps like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, this has been your host, David Weber. And remember, stay off the brakes, keep moving forward.